0: Welcome to another episode of Cloud Unfiltered. Uh, we are your hosts, Andrew Horgan and Mike Chenitz, and today we have Pam Brute with us from the Roundtable Network. Hello, Pam.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, how's it going?
1: Good. All right. You want me to introduce her? Yeah.
0: Go ahead. Go ahead. Tell us a little bit about right. yourself, and you know how I you became. About myself.
1: Yeah. yeah. So. Um, Uh, Pam Brote, I've been uh, in cybersecurity for over 20 years, and uh, most of that time serving the CISO community. Um, You know, over 20 years, you iterate your business, and uh, the last four years, I've been serving my uh, CISOs, they're all Fortune 500 CISOs, uh, by curating technology. And you can imagine when you have 50 plus one-on-one conversations every quarter with the largest companies uh, you know the biggest problems, and so it's um, fairly intuitive to go out into the marketplace and look for the vendors um, and the cyber solutions that solve these critical problems. And I present those solutions to my CISOs one-on-one on a quarterly basis.
0: So let me just step back a second. So you don't just you know, become Pam Brute and go to these CISOs and say, hey, trust me. So how did this all <laughs> come about? How did this come about that? People said, okay, let me trust this person because I know there's got to be a good story around that.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> trust, is always, trust is always earned, for sure. Nope, yeah, you know, um, I've been in, like I said, I've been in the industry a long time. Um, I started out actually um, helping young uh, technology companies, and it wasn't just cyber, uh, create relationships with large enterprises Uh, For the exact reason you just said, it's a trust issue, um, and so how do you establish that trust so that they will try a startup? And then, you know, 20 years ago, startups were much more scary to work with than they are today. Um, Now they're more prevalent. Then I ran uh, roundtables around uh, North America for probably 17 years, hence the name of my company. And uh, they were very private roundtables for the largest companies, so they, the CISOs could talk amongst themselves about critical problems. And uh, that's really where my relationships came from. And so when I started the most recent version of my business four years ago, it was fairly easy uh, to go out to my rich network and ha- ask them to give me an opportunity to curate technology for them. And uh, it's been very successful. They love it. Uh, they just don't have time. So I'm saving them time. And honestly, every quarter I have to earn the right for that time by bringing really smart solutions forward. Um, so luckily, I've been able to do that. Uh, you know, it's not if there was one thing that kept me awake at night is although there are 4000 cyber solutions out there, um Uh, it's pretty hard to find 12 that are worthy and I bring 12 forward uh, each year. And so the trust continues because I continue to deliver.
0: That's amazing. Um, so what are the, what are the things you're, you know, obviously this is a big network. What are the things that you're that are really coming to mind for, for a lot of these CIOs and our CISOs, CISOs, um, that are, that are relevant right now?
1: Yeah. And, and it is, I, although I work with the CISO to your point, um, They partner extremely closely with the CIO and the CTO. Um, And so, you know, many of the problems that are coming up and the trends are really partnerships between these leaders. Um, And the things that I see most often talked about, and and actually it's kind of a timely topic because um, the last quarter of every year I ask my executives what are their top priorities for the following year? And you start to see patterns, of course, um, zero trust. Uh, it's a long journey, but zero trust is top of mind. Um, you don't flip a switch and have zero trust um, and they know that. I think there another um, area is um, where what will sim look like in two or three years? Nobody thinks sim will be around in two or three years. and so what will it be? You know what what will that architecture since the sim is the centerpiece of of you know the security stack? Um, and, and they all pretty much agree it will go away in a fairly short short order. So um, obviously digital transformation and, and, and moving to the cloud has accelerated with the pandemic because there's a belief that not only the business can move faster with cloud, but that over time, maybe not near term, but long term, it will getting out of the data center business will save money. Um so those are a few I could keep going, but um <laughs> you know, those are I, I would say That's ransomware. Just off the top is of your head. That's great. Top of yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so you, you said something interesting, uh, I guess, maybe um, when you described your, your business and what you did, I should have put together, but it's called the roundtable network. And so I think the thing that fascinates me the most is, are, are you re- literally having a roundtable conversation with the top CISOs in the room together? Or is it, are these, is it more of like a bespoke sp- conversation where it's one on one? Because if it's the latter, that's kind of fascinating that they're all kind of sharing, um, you know, their, their problems or pain points, etc. cetera.
1: It's all one-on-one. I say that I have um, 54, I think, right now, uh, Fortune 500 CISOs that I meet with one-on-one for an hour every quarter. Okay. Um, I, you know, so I am, uh, you know, I want to be able to have the conversation custom to them. Uh, but I do round tables as well. Uh, the I probably do only three or four roundtables a year where they get together. Um, and you know, we host it virtually these days. Sure.
2: That that makes that makes a lot of sense. So when you are um, looking to pick, I think you said your twelve vendors um, every year. How how do you navigate what is probably a, a buzzword minefield? You know how much of it is, <laughs> yeah. How much of it is just regular? You know, I, obviously Mike and I are very transparent. We work for Cisco. You know, we have a great security portfolio. But even I, I struggle mm-hmm. at times to just comprehend the masses of product that we have. So how do you navigate it? Is it like reoccurring vendors? Are you looking for streaks of consistency? You know, I think that's a very fascinating thing that um, we could probably unpack here a little bit.
1: You know, I know what the pain points are, the highest ones. I mean, you know, at any given moment, these large enterprises, um, and I'm sure Cisco can relate, can only handle you know, maybe three to five priorities, and uh, they're solving their biggest problems. And so the vendor has to, first of all, solve one of those big problems. And, but I will say that sometimes there's um, a problem that needs to be solved that isn't on the priority list because they don't know that there's a solution out there. So I work with a lot of vendors that are first movers in their space. Um, And so, you know, I have to, I guess, trust my intuition with some of those vendors, but generally I'm looking for vendors that solve big problems. And once, um, you know, if there's multiple vendors in the space, I will look at all of them, literally, and, um, and, and even interview some of their customers to figure out which one is the right one because my credibility is who I bring forward. And I don't get it right every time, but I can't, I can't stub my toe too often and still be successful. Sure. Um, That makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, so when you're looking at these vendors that aren't, you know, that, that, that obviously have, you know, good solutions, but aren't that big, how do you navigate like the support issues and things like that and figure out whether they can actually, you know, they might have a great product, but how do you figure Mm -hmm. out whether they can actually support it? And do the things that they need to do. That's got to be a, a difficult scenario too.
2: I'll take a step forward. How do you convince the the, the Fortune 500 customer <laughs> well, to even consider a startup for something as important as security? Yeah.
1: Well, the, to answer the first question is they have to they have to be able to scale. And, yeah. and, and if they haven't proven their scale, they're too early for me. Okay. Um, because my, my companies are too big and they can't take that risk. So they don't need to have done it, you know, 10 times or even five times, but they have to have shown scale at least once. And I have to be able to talk to that customer where they've scaled that solution successfully. Um, and then, you know, as far as, you know, taking a chance, I think they're trusting me to a great extent that I've done my homework, um, in this area and they may also want to talk to references. But, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the Cisco, Cisco of the world are delivering fabulous solutions, but they also know that sometimes they're going to have to go to a startup to solve an important problem. It, it, they, they've accepted that. And it's interesting to watch the evolution of that, because when I started in this biz, you know, over 20 years ago, that wasn't the case. Um, Startup was kind of a new word and and the the big enterprises didn't even entertain that. And now it's accepted that that is part of um, their DNA to ensure success. Um, It's not going to be all of the portfolio of their cyber stack, but it's certainly going to be part of it.
0: It's, it's pretty interesting because, you know, I think I've mentioned this before, but I come from 20 years of network security consulting and Fortune 500 companies. So, but previous to Cisco, you know, that's that was my, really my life. And when I first started, it was the biggest thing you were worried about was, you know, okay, do you have a firewall? Is it locked down? Here. And maybe you could use this new thing called IDS that would allow you to detect if you created the right signatures... And you knew what those signatures were, and you filtered out all the other crap that was out there. Then you might be able to to create this solution that needs a lot of work in order to keep it running. That that somebody would put in the corner and never probably use again. But um, now mm-hmm. come to this place where, you know, the world has changed. It's now a cloud place. It's a cloud marketplace. You know. Everybody's thinking about their ways of going to the cloud. And now we're thinking about new things like API security and, uh, you know, um, container security. And actually, what does the development stack look like and how to secure that? So, you know, what is what are the people you're talking to? Are, th- are they concerned about these things? Is this what they're looking at right now? I mean, what are the what are the top like cloudy things they're looking at?
1: Cloudy. Yeah. Um, I love that. Uh, Yeah. So there's been, I would say just about two years ago there was, and maybe it's still there for some of my companies, but there's just this epiphany that, oh my God, my on-prem tools don't work in the cloud. Darn, I have to buy all like new tools. Wait, this is ridiculous. And, oh, wait, my people don't know how to run the cloud. I need new skill sets. It's like a whole new, it's a whole new thing. And so I think they're kind of over that, that realization and they kind of come back to where do I start and do I use the cloud providers tools? Do I use, you know, uh, tools from the marketplace? How do I do this and where do I even start? And, um, you know, I I I kind of have four, and, and I have a slide that I show I, I, every single meeting for two years because it's still a conversation. Which is, where those do you are the best start? slides.
2: Can we just say that the best yeah, slides? Where it's like you've got that you've got that on rotation, and you just know that I'm yeah. going to drop this in. I'm going to wow some people, and it's those are the best <laughs> slides. Good ROI in those slides. <laughs> Andrew has none of
0: those, but you know,
2: yeah, as a product manager, I love a slide that I can say I've been using this one for two years. It's a great yep. slide. Two years.
1: I know, can you believe it? And then, and I'll, I won't name, of course, the company, but I was on with one of the largest financials in the world this morning and I used it again. <laughs> so it, it never gets old and it's really does two things. One, it talks and not to change topics, but it talks about how to have speed and security in DevOps, you know, that they're, they're almost, you know, the friction there is, is high. And the other is what are the four or five, cloud security tools that I have to start with. And I think cloud uh, network security is super important. Um, uh, You know, it's kind of, you know, what you just said, Mike, which is where we started many moons ago, do we have a firewall? Well, you you need to have network security in the cloud, and it it often looks very different than it does on-prem. You need to have what it's referred to as cloud security posture management, which is evolving. There's now probably seven or eight vendors in this space, but it's about visibility and configuration and vulnerabilities and pro- risk prioritization. It's 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 exactly what it sounds like, posture management. Um, so that's another key place. Um, API security, which you already brought up. I mean, the cloud is a forest of APIs and you have to have your arms around APIs. And then I would say, Privilege. Um, You know, I know we all, the the identity and access management stack is frustrating and complex, but you get into the cloud and, you know, identities are, many of them are non human and there's thousands of them, even tens of thousands of them. And you can't do that manually. You need something to manage to lease privilege. Um, If we look at breaches that have happened, um, it's usually about access, right? And so, you know, you have to have something to manage the access in the cloud, and it is very different than what you would do on prem, where they're it's all human.
2: How much? How much of your conversations focus or end up focusing on the the people aspect of things? So obviously, there's a there's it's really important to find the right vendors. But you know, in your description of the four pillars, you listed off you know. In my mind, I'm just I'm seeing flashes of logos, right, of different vendors that could do what you're kind of evangelizing. So, how much of your conversation with these CISOs is about the the idea of like kind of glomming all this stuff together, right? Because I I think you you see this a lot from security vendors, and I think Cisco's been guilty of this before. It's like, well, just buy our whole stack. If you buy our whole portfolio, right, you Don't won't have to worry that. about. <laughs> APIs, you will have to worry about uh, identity management. We've got it all covered, right? But I think we all know that what ends up happening is you've got all these different organizations and they all kind of like, oh, well, I, I want to use this for my API gateway. I want to use this for my identity access. So how do you manage that sort of conversation? How do you do it in such a way that it doesn't start to break down at scale, right? Because I, I have to imagine that's what these CISOs are really worried about is I need to solve this problem here, but eventually I need to solve it for the whole company.
1: So, are you are you asking how do they do it on prem and in the cloud, or I'm, I'm not,
2: or 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 really, maybe maybe Mike can help me out. But I think what I'm trying to get at is, <laughs> I think what I'm trying to get at is, <laughs> is part of this is a technical problem. And then part sure. of this is is a as a people person a people problem oh, and kind of okay. connecting all this stuff together. So how do you how do you take that conversation to the next step where it's not just checking boxes on an RFP, but it's also like a solution? Uh,
1: totally, it's a, that's such a good point actually. Um, you know, I'll use an analogy. Like um, I'll talk about SOAR for yeah, I think that's a fairly well known acronym. Um, but so SOAR, SOAR has been, was popular, what, three, well, it's still popular, I guess, three years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, companies rea- were like, oh, I, I want to automate, you know, I want to automate, you know, my response in the sock, right? And that's what SOAR does. But they realized very quickly after they adopted SOAR that that was a tool that didn't work if you didn't have a process. If you didn't have a process in your sock. You couldn't use the SOAR. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't solve the problem with a tool. You had to have a process. I, I, and I'll have another analogy, and that is DevSecOps, which is such a, such a hot issue right now. Um, you know, the security trying to get out of the way of the business and yet still have security. And it's just a really difficult. And if you if you look at my most sophisticated companies, they've realized that they've thrown tools at the problem, but they didn't have a process. And so they're wiping the slate clean of all the tools. Not that they might not go back to some of those tools, but they have to go back to the the process, and what is going to be our process with our people, and and how are we going to execute? And then we can put tools on top of that process. So you can, tools are meaningless unless you have a process with your people, and um, you know it, that takes a mature that takes a lot of maturity.
2: Yeah, no, I'd say um, that. Um...
0: That, uh, you know, it's interesting. The, a lot of the stuff you're talking about are the things that we try and tackle because really the the product set that Andrew and I work on is is cloud native. And really, you know, we're, our biggest thing is how these companies interact between the IT ops and the DevOps personas and how because they have such different needs and the DevOps needs that agility. They want to create stuff. They want to make sure it's, you know, committed and brought in really fast. Whereas IT Ops wants to do all that governance and make sure that you have the right, you know, um, virtual machines and the right instances and, and make sure everything's secure and everything over that. So it's kind of interesting. It's that whole DevSecOps kind of thing where, you know, we're at that intersection and you have to create good technology technological products, but you also need that policy around it. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. They think it's going to be solved just by the technology. And if you don't have good process, it's not going to work, you know, the way that you yeah. think it should, should be working until AI right, right. over the world. And just, you know, we, they don't need us anymore. And then, then we're good.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and DevOps, you know, things have changed too because it is used to being involved in the infrastructure Sure. and devops now does both right they do yep. the infrastructure and the application and uh and then so then there's oversight on both like there's infrastructure as code and then there's application code and in and they're both you know areas of risk Absolutely. and they're managed and so it, it, it definitely just drives back to the point of having to have a process
2: yeah, I saw, the, uh, I saw a, a, a meme. I, I guess you will uh, the other day of the of the ship stuck in the Suez Canal, and the ship said the ship was overlaid with the word Dev. And then they had the, the guy on the side who was in charge of the, the canal itself, and they labeled him uh, uh, security or sec. And then they had the guy in the with the, the backhoe trying to get the ship unstuck, and that was ops. And it was the whole idea that you've got these devs <laughs> who are trying to ship ship these things, and and then they crashed right into the guardrails that security has built. And then the poor ops guy is there with a the little backhoe trying to move this you know massive ship uh to get it unstuck and i thought that was a pretty apt uh, description of that. reality yeah I'll, if i i'll send it to you it is actually very hilarious yeah. so I, I, you
0: know offline we're going to have to have this conversation about it, whether it's meme or mame so we're going to have to have a <laughs> conversation a little bit later but um, in the south, they call the memes
2: yes. yeah
0: <laughs> but you know um It's interesting. I ask this question a lot to a lot of different people. Andrew's uh, heard me ask this question. I'm sure my listeners have heard heard me ask this question a lot. But what do you think your network of CISOs think is more secure? Do you think that they think that their on-prem at this point is a more secure environment or that it's actually more secure in the cloud? Or is it, is it somewhere <laughs> in between? Because to me, my perspective is that, you know, cloud comes with a lot of inherent security. So unless you have really good people on-prem that really understand a lot of that, um, you know, I think that cloud at this point is probably inherently a little bit more secure than, than an on-prem environment. But I'm curious to see what you what your, your, uh,
1: <laughs> think. The, what the, do you the, think the, and what
2: do your customers yeah. think?
1: <laughs> well, I think that cloud is a shared you know, security responsibility. It's a shared model. Um, you know, no matter what the cloud provider, uh, their, their model is, you know, secure, uh, securing their infrastructure. Um, you still own your data, full stop. And if you don't secure your data, you know, none of these cloud providers are gonna do it for you. You own that. And if you don't understand how to do that in a shared environment and in a, in a public cloud, you're going to be more at risk I think that my most conservative companies haven't moved to the cloud because they think it's safer to be on-prem sure um so I I, I don't know if
0: you think that's a real have an opinion <laughs> because my
1: opinion is it how how have you done your homework right and I think the cloud can be a very safe place but but you know you have to you have to put all the guardrails in place and understand how to secure your data and that ecosystem, which is different. Um, The only reason on-prem is perceived to be safer is because it's known. They know how to do it already. It's not that it's safer. It's just known. And so I would would
0: argue that the frameworks around cloud though are are a more secure framework out of the box than something that, because you have to do everything on-prem, whereas out of the box, it's going to guide you down specific ways. And obviously you could, you could have a, you know, a policy that says, you know, allow any, any in, and that wouldn't be too good. But, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like that there's, there's a lot more tools to make you do it right. If, if you're, if you're into, and, and obviously this is a knowledge thing, if you're, if you're in the cloud arena and that's just, that's (laughs) the argument that I would have.
1: Yeah. I, I hear you and I, and I agree with you. I would just say that, everything in cloud moves faster. And so you better just have your act together. Um, You know, the the speed, uh, that reason people go to the cloud is for speed. I mean, You know, I'm not really sure it's less expensive, frankly, but, you know, so there was this thought that it's good. They're going to save money, get out of the data center business and save money. And maybe over time that will become true. But it's really about agility. And when things are moving faster, it's harder to make it secure. And so I think that and also what you just what you don't know, you just don't know. Right. Uh And uh, so I've watched uh, some some crazy stuff go on. (laughs) So but the on prem, they just know it. And I, I I agree with you. I just think it's knowledge, and you know, becoming knowledgeable and understanding, you know, wh- where your risks lie um, on that journey because it's going to happen faster, right? And th- and then there's shadow IT issues, right? There's instances that there's not even oversight. Um, so th- yeah, that that's funny. That shadow shadow, happens. shadow <laughs> IT was something that
2: that only happened when developers went to the cloud. But I think what you're finding, and Mike, maybe this is to your point where, you know, it's when you control all the keys to the kingdom, you have this like, this idea that you're safer and that and that the framework that you've put into place is, you know, you feel secure and protected in that environment. And with cloud, you're kind of giving that up to a certain degree. But then, what I would argue is that as soon as somebody gets into your data center, uh, that's where your point comes along, Mike. Which is like, I think the cloud providers have done a fairly decent job of making sure everything is kind of, uh, you know, tip top shape, so that that exposure is is limited to where you might have screwed up. Versus in the data center. You know, we learned with like solar winds and some of these other hacks where as soon as they get into your data center, um, that's it, right? Like th- they've got full run of the environment potentially. Um, where maybe that won't happen in a public cloud. But you know, I, I agree with both of you guys. I think it's uh it's a little bit of both. Um be great this to is be. a good think it's yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah, is it me um, or is it PM? You gotta it's gotta
2: be one or the other. I, well, I, I, I think Mike, I hate to tell you, buddy, but you know, it's going to be Pam, right? (laughs) Um, So this is kind of a good segue to like something that's a little bit similar, but how do you, where do you fit SaaS platforms into your overall sort of strategy? So you've got, you know, you've got the tools that help secure your environment and access to maybe certain bits of infrastructure or or your pipeline, et cetera. But, you know, how do, um, how are CISOs responding to a lot of companies going SaaS first? Right. I mean, Cisco and SecureX or SecureX platform, it's a SaaS first pl- uh, platform. We're moving away maybe from having on-prem solutions. So is there a positive reception there? Are there concerns? There's risks, things that um, people should be looking out for?
1: Well, everybody started with SaaS and, and 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 you know, there's nobody who's not using There's not a company on the planet that doesn't have dozens, if not hundreds of SaaS products. Um, So it's, it's well, it's, it's adopted. I mean, you know, you think about Workday or ServiceNow, you know, these are just in Salesforce. I mean, I could go on and on. There's just integral, it's integral to what they do. Um, And so, you know, they, they've turned a little bit of a blind eye because they're every single SaaS solution is built differently. It's got a different provider. And so, you know, how do you secure a platform when every single one of them is completely different? in um, you know, the underpinnings of what they're worried about, like, is, is it configured correctly? Who does somebody have access that shouldn't? Is there any exposures to the internet? These are questions that are very difficult to answer, because you can't go out and, you know, create a pro. First of all, you can't create a process just back to that, like, oh, I'm going to create a process that's going to make all my SaaS solutions secure that that that's, you know, you're so reliant on the SaaS provider. Um, and then, you know, do I then buy, buy a tool? Well, they, I think, you know, there's been some use around CASB to see if they can see data leaking from, you know, their SaaS solutions, but that's been challenging. Um, and so I, there's not been a lot of great solutions. It's, again, a shared model. You know, back to the you know public cloud providers with SaaS, it's a shared model. You're responsible for your data. You better configure that SaaS solution correctly and make sure you're managing who's accessing it. But how do you do that when um, every single SaaS product is different? Um, you know, there's there's one or two providers out there that are working on this vendors or early earlier stage vendors, but um, it's been a it's been a challenge.
2: It's almost an oxymoron in a way, where it's like, I'm gonna pay somebody else to host this uh, function or service for me, but then I also need a way to ensure that it's up to up to my security standards, right? And and yep. you don't necessarily control it. So it's like what you can actually um, verify or observe, etc., is is maybe limited in nature.
0: Well, I mean, I would I would almost flip that around the other way. It's 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 really up to the SaaS provider to provide evidence that they are secure. For people to trust them and and consume their product.
1: I agree, but it's not happening. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I just hate to confess this to you, but it's not happening. And, you know, I I have proof points of it. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, throwing anybody under the bus. It's just that every single environment, the SaaS provider also has the challenge that every single customer is different. And how they configure their product and what they put in there and, and who they give access to. So the SAS provider, I don't know. I mean, it'd be great if they could do it, but I'm not sure they can. Um, so there's quite a quandary there. I mean, um, and, and I would say that there's a lot of sensitive data sitting in SAS today.
0: So maybe yep. somebody should come come up with a common criteria for SaaS provider security and make it a standard or something like that that they could just fill out this doc, and say, hey, yeah, we've we've complied to all of this. <laughs> right. Some some
2: do, right? So there's FedRAMP, right? Which yeah. is there's some, there's some yeah, yeah. yeah yeah.
1: That's a hard one though, FedRAMP. I think um, you know there, you know, I don't want to name products, but there is a product out there that does an internal scan. And that and it comes back and tells you that these are the wrong configurations. This is where you're, these, this is who has access. And this is where you have exposures to the internet. The, it, but the pro, the challenge for that vendor is that, and, and, and they're, they're biting it off one, one SaaS at a time, but is that every single SaaS provider is different. So they have to build a custom scan and a custom solution for every single one. And you know, like I have insurance companies that have over 200 SaaS providers that's a lot to manage. So I don't have an answer for it, Yeah, but when I have one, I'm back on the show.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I think the closest thing that we have is like umbrella. If you, if you deploy that client, you know, then you could, then you could do stuff like, you know, you could see what SaaS providers are, are you're connecting to all your clients and things like that. But that's about, you know, that's about the closest thing. Maybe, I don't know. We have, we might have some other ones too. I'm not, you know, I- You might have
1: the only good solution.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have Stealth Watch too. Stealth Watch will show you, you know, uh, a lot about what's going over your network and botnets and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty cool, actually. I rented at my house for a little bit
2: just to see what was going on. But, <laughs> at your house? Uh, <laughs> if you haven't, yeah, for people that are not, you can't see on camera, but behind mic is a pretty good indicator of the sort of, nonsense that that goes on oh, yes. <laughs> i have lots of gear
0: gadgets here. i have racks of uh, servers and my in, on the other side of here i used to have a mainframe i used to have a as400 but <laughs> i got rid of that oh, you know so um you know but yeah, uh, I, I'm 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 full in the cloud now, so I don't have to have all that stuff that that I used to have and that would cause me a million dollar uh, electric bill. You know, my my <laughs> wife told me every month about that. So, um, but to step back for a sec, what was I going to ask you? Because I, you know, Andrew quite rudely changed the topic, and I was I going did. to something else, <laughs> and I had this great sec Oh, here it is. So. Getting a little bit away from security, but still cloudy, because you like that term, so I'll say it again. A cloudy type of thing (laughs) is, um, you know, at the beginning, and and we see this a lot still, which is really surprising. But at the beginning, what we saw is that, you know, CTOs, CIOs uh, would tell companies that, hey, we want to be, quote, unquote, and nobody can see this on the radio, but I'm putting my fingers up, quote, unquote, cloud first. And so everybody would scramble to be cloud first because it's the cool thing and you'd be the cool kid on the block if you did that, unless you're in financial where they said we're staying away from that. But everybody else was saying, let's let's get to, uh, get to the cloud. And what people would do is really take their infrastructure and their legacy apps and throw them up in the cloud. Mm-hmm. No new microservices, no new refactoring. So basically what they created is a second data center that's very expensive. Are you still You're seeing right. a lot of or are actually people refactoring <laughs> out that, hey, you know, putting it in the cloud doesn't really do anything special for you. You know, you, you have to actually design it to be cloud ready and cloud native in order to do something with it. Are, are you seeing that people are starting to do that or is it still people are mostly just throwing it in the cloud and hoping for the best?
1: Um, I think it's a, I, I refer to that as a, a lifted shift, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, simplify you know, it. <laughs> I have lift and shift uh, companies. Um, they just wanted to get out of the data center business. It didn't. It doesn't optimize. It's not. None of the applications are optimized for the cloud. There's very few benefits to it. Um, now, what I'll see is they'll look at their um, environment and say, you know, what's not going to the cloud because there's going to be stuff that they just feel they can't you know, legacy stuff. What can they modernize? And 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 that's a huge process of modernization of applications, but it's getting easier. And then what is gonna be a lift and shift? And I think it's now, uh, you know, a combination of things uh, based upon what is most practical for the business. Um, but they are getting smarter. You know, my companies that went the earliest to the cloud did the, the lift and shift. Um, and now, the, they're relooking at that lift and shift and saying which ones of these applications should we now go back and modernize? So they, it's just a different order to things. Um, but yeah, modernization takes a while, right? Yeah. And especially with these really large companies, they don't they don't have that automatic visibility into where are my applications, how are they connected, what are the data flows um, those are really hard. They sound basic, but they're hard questions to answer. And unless you can answer those questions, you can't modernize an app.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's that, you know, that's, that's the really, that's the tough part of it is modernizing that app. You know, anybody can kind yeah. of just get in and move it and, and, you know, just put it there. But that's just, as I said, a very sec, very, uh, you know, second data center. That's very expensive is what I should say.
1: Yeah. And then of course the newer apps, you know, This is that competitive edge, uh, or what they hope to be competitive edge. You know, they can they can build those from scratch. You know, for for the cloud. So I think you see you see a very slow movement with some of my companies that where they if they're going to build a new application, they build it for the cloud. Obviously.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. companies that are starting these days, they're starting right in the cloud. They're not even starting. You know, it's so much easier just to consume APIs. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and to create a solution around that, you know, than it is to create something from scratch, which is brings me up to another topic is how do you ensure that, you know, the, everybody's creating solutions and they're based on other people's APIs. I mean, nobody's cre- Almost nobody's creating solutions by themselves that are just going to be directly from scratch. They're all their own APIs. They're all done. You know, so how do you ensure that security when you're consuming like, you know, 50 different APIs from different vendors too. So you got to verify that they're secure too, really, you know?
1: Yeah. And well, APIs is a, like, you could have a, we could have an hour long conversation. Yeah. <laughs> alone, right. Um, I think that there's a combination of things going on there, but um, you know, th- the first conversation is, did I, bu- am I using a secure API? Yeah. Um, and, or did I build a secured API if they actually built it? Um, or even the third party you know you know commercially off-the-shelf software apis are those safe what's going on with all that so you know I've made recommendations on the in the API world is to start right which I know is lax and it's sort of unintuitive because <laughs> everybody says go shift left shift left um, but you have to almost start right and say I, I need to know that every single API in my ecosystem I, I want I need to know that I well, that I have it, like a catalog of all my APIs, and that that's to- totally doable. Um, so catalog my APIs, and then um, keep track of any changes, and also interrogate every single API call. But don't do it in line because that would create latency, right? Um, but that 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 technology or capability is there, and then you know you don't have to sit there and wonder is this API secure or not? Because you're going to know in the very early stages of reconnaissance of uh, that API as is an issue and where, where that rec- how that reconnaissance is executed is going to teach you what's wrong with that API and how to fix it. So I think it's a right to left with API security just because there's so many of them and you're right where they're born is different. Sometimes they're built by you. Sometimes they're third party. Sometimes they're you know COTS. So um, I think it's a right a right side. Uh, th- that's my opinion. Interesting. No, <laughs> no, I never
2: thought about. I had never thought about it that way. And I that is a that is a very um, I think a very good way to think about it. Absolutely. Because
1: there's no scanner for an API. Like you don't get like you know how we all have SAS scanners for, you know, scanning our code. How do you scan an API? And you don't know until it's actually in motion, right? Yeah. Anyway.
2: Absolutely. Um, so the, the last thing I wanted to ask was a little bit less of a vendor question and more of just a, an industry trend. So we've kind of seen over the last couple of years that the, I guess I would say the penalty for maybe not implementing security is often, um what's the word i'm looking for it's maybe not worth it right so you might spend millions of dollars on the security solution or you could spend a couple hundred thousand and you know at the end of the day a breach happens and You know, maybe maybe you're on the hook for a million dollars. Maybe you're not in a fine. So how do you how how are you seeing that conversation change in the in the light of these really big breaches? Where you know I think we're finally cracking down on companies and saying, "Hey, you need to secure your platforms. You need to secure your data." Are, Are you seeing an uptick in interest in security with that that sort of? framework happening because i think in years prior right if you go back to you know i think facebook has been in the news recently um but you know when when target had their breach right there was there was almost no repercussions for target or home depot for leaking credit card information and emails and stuff but now you know you're seeing judicial pressure you're seeing um you know the eu come down on companies so are you seeing a a large uptick in this sort of security conversation
1: um i I think that the it all starts with brand and not okay. a consequence of dollars. Um you know Target may not have gotten um you know a large consequence financially but I mean you know from the regulatory environment but um they their brand that was a tough road for them right. Sure. Yeah. Um everything's about brand it all comes back to brand and uh they they are buying insurance. You know, they mm-hmm. do buy insurance to cover the cost of a breach. Um, but they're much more worried about the brand and, you know, this conversations happens, you know, every single board meeting, every single board meeting, there is a cybersecurity conversation because these, you know, you know, the board is, is, is accountable, uh, for what is happening and, you know, the brand and, and, and protecting the consumer, um, but there's a lot of more. I mean, the, the the regulatory environment is heating up, and it's getting very expensive for companies to adhere to all the regulations. Um, one of my companies was telling me about uh, Germany and a new uh, regulatory shrems too. I hadn't heard so of sorry, it. You
2: don't have to. You don't even have to go yeah. past Germany because that's all the context you yeah. need to know yeah. about how strict yeah. they are about their their laws, right? But I would but but I would it's almost
1: impossible to abide by if you look if you were to if anybody were to look into Schruns too you would find out very quickly there would be no way they could ever like mm-hmm. abide by it. Like it oh. they've made it impossible and the legal consequences are severe. So I do think there's a conversation there, but I think the first is about brand.
2: It's image. Yeah. And I, I,
1: and I would
0: I would argue, and I've always said this when when even when I was in network security, is that companies care about risks. They don't care about security. So that's, that's the difference. Um, but we only have a few minutes left, so I wanted to wrap up. I know you have to be somewhere, Pam, uh, pretty soon. So I wanted to make sure that we covered anything that you wanted to kind of, uh, cover and, um, Andrew,
2: any, any, yeah. Any key takeaways or anything like that for the the audience who's listening in, um, you know, what, what kind of, uh, the, the final thoughts that you would like them to have leaving, uh, leaving this, this podcast.
1: You know, one thing we didn't talk about that I'll just touch on briefly because I think it's important is, um, you know, how has security changed in light of the pandemic, and, mm-hmm. and and it's also a permanent change because even when the pandemic ends, um, these changes, you know, of people working from home are, are seemingly permanent, right? And uh, so I think thinking about what does that mean, you know, even in the Cisco world, right, like how do i create infrastructure so that you know it scales and it's long term is it a vpn what does that look like also insider threat comes up a lot uh, because i think that we look at our employees differently now that they're working from home and you know there's kind of two pillars an in insider threat malicious and just poor decision making <laughs> um so there's a whole there's a whole conversation around the pandemic and how security has changed and what what is that you know what do we do differently do we focus more on DLP. Um I think it's going to be a little bit different for every company, but there's definitely changes, uh permanent changes with with regards to the pandemic. Um, I think we covered SaaS and cloud pretty well. Um <laughs> but yeah, always happy to, you know, take more questions or, you know, revisit you guys if if Yeah, uh, absolutely. If you yeah. You back. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You've been a great guest and uh we really enjoy having you on the show.
2: Yeah, definitely. Thank, thank, you. thank you so much for your time. Uh, we'll put your um, your contact information. You've got a, a website as well as your your LinkedIn. We'll we'll make sure that that those get plugged in the, the CTA. Um, but you know, uh, thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate all the information that you shared. We don't we don't get to talk about security enough, uh, and with everything kind of uh, crossing into the cloud space more and more, it's going to be something that I think will come up uh, an increasing amount.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thanks thank you so right. much. Thank you. thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.